0: Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen.
1: And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions.
0: Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in.
1: So before we hop into this PT Pearl, I want to talk about one of my favorite little biohacking tools to just continue to learn about your body that Jen and I have used before and we're using it now and that is NutriSense. It's a continuous glucose monitor and I love this tool because it can just teach you so much about how your body reacts to certain foods and also little things that you can do in the way that you eat and the way that you order food to prevent glucose spikes and keep your glucose in these tolerable levels that won't cause us to have jitters and then crashes with big glucose spikes and then drops throughout the day. One of the benefits is if you use our link and our code, which the link is down in the show notes, it's Nutrisense.io backslash Optimal Body, and the code is Optimal body, just one word. And that gets you $30 off NutriSense subscription and also one free month of dietitian support. And I think that is the key right there. Because sometimes these numbers can be a little confusing if we try to decipher, okay, this is what's happening on the app, but that nutrition will be keeping in touch with you as much or as little as you want to say, hey, how about trying this? Or I noticed your glucose spiked at this time. Could you tell me about the meal that you had? So they really try to integrate that dietitian support to help you decipher and learn about what your glucose is doing and little tricks on how you can make small changes to optimize that health. So if you've been interested in ever trying a continuous glucose monitor, now's the time. Go down to the link in the show notes. It's nutrisense.io backslash Optimal Body and use code Optimal Body at checkout to get that discount and free month of dietitian support. All right. So, for today's PT Pro, we're hopping in on thoracic outlet syndrome, which we have done previously. And in the first episode, we really talk a lot more about what thoracic outlet is, what the different types are, what might be causing it. But in this episode, we're going to really try spending a little more time on what you can do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're going to give you direct exercises Um, which are easier to follow on YouTube. So if you're not subscribed to DocGenFit on YouTube, please go subscribe all of our episodes that we do. Just Dom and I for podcasts, we also put on YouTube so that you can visually see the movements that we're talking about.
1: Yeah. So thoracic outlet syndrome or TOS, essentially what it is, is the compression of the neurovascular bundle Mm -hmm. that comes out of our neck and supplies our arm. Mm -hmm. And You know, this is something that that can be fairly common or people at one point or another might have some sort of symptoms of it because so many nerves, our our brachial plexus, it's called, that kind of is the nervous system that supplies our whole entire arm as well as our subclavian artery and vein. Subclavian basically means it runs below the clavicle. Mm -hmm. And they all have to come out through this small little gap, the thoracic outlet, um, that lies between our clavicle and our first rib.
0: Mm-hmm. Clavicle, meaning your collarbone. So, you know, especially if you start to feel like you notice when you go into different postures or positions, like if you squeeze your shoulder blades down and back, or if you're reaching overhead for a certain period of time, yeah. or even women or men, <laughs> anyone who's like doing your hair for a long time, right? If when you have your hand, arms overhead, and you kind of close off that space between the shoulder blade and that first rib you kind of get some compression and that could lead to your arm either starting to feel like numbness or tingling or you start to feel like your your hand is falling asleep Uh, you know you're losing blood flow Yes,
1: like color you know discoloration or color changes of one of your limbs especially the one that might be having some symptoms also and again, this can be caused by so many different ways. There's different functional thoracic outlets where you might just get it more while you're using your arms. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other that are neurogenic, or you know, you have more so from birth, um, idiopathic, where you know there isn't a real known underlying cause. And we go over those a lot more in that first episode with mm-hmm. th- with, th- with thoracic outlet. <laughs> but I also know that Jen has experienced thoracic outlet on occasion before.
2: Yeah, definitely. Interrupting our episode real quick just to say that today is the first day of our early bird sale for the Move to Improve Challenge. 30 days of mobility and strength. And not only that, but we have muscle activations, your core from your pelvic floor all the way up through your diaphragm, really reprogramming your foundation of movement. Now this is a challenge that we ran last year and we had so much success with it. Thousands of people moved through this Move to Improve Challenge and we are bringing it back because it was just so popular. We had people repeat it for months because they were obsessed with the movement and the education that they got. You have 26 different videos that you're moving through and not only that, but we have five self-assessments that we're gonna have you test on day zero and then repeat on day 31 to see what has changed within your body. What has your body learned by moving through this challenge with us? And each day isn't gonna take very long. The longest days are the strength days, which there's only three a week and I know that you can do this. This is gonna be my my introduction back into movement as well after my postpartum journey. And I'm so excited to get back into movement and really start at the foundation, building up my strength, rebuilding my mobility, and making sure that I'm taking care of my body back into movement in a proper way. If you've been having aches and pains, if you're afraid to work out because you have injuries or pain, this is a perfect opportunity to get into this challenge. I'm going to coach you through every single video, I'm doing the entire thing with you. So this is your chance to come learn. It is a one-time price, early bird is this week only. So I really encourage you, if you haven't done one of our challenges yet, this is a perfect one to get into. We have strength, mobility, muscle activations, core, all in one within this challenge to really help you rebuild, repattern, and feel amazing within your body. So we're going to drop the link below, but it's just gen.house slash move. That's it. Come join us. There's no code needed. Early bird pricing changes after Friday. So get in today. Okay, let's head back into your episode. You know, I talk about this
0: a little bit more in that first episode as well, in terms of like why I think I get it, which is probably from my scoliosis that I have. But also because I... I have learned so much within my body. All the yeah. things that we talk about on the podcast, and when it comes to breath, when it comes to rib cage, when it comes to movement in general and general awareness, yeah. that I don't get these symptoms I don't, at all anymore. I don't remember
1: the last time you said anything about it?
0: Literally anything about yeah. it. Yeah. So it's it's kind of shocking and surprising. And, and I'm sure if you took an x-ray of my spine, I don't know that too much would be changed. However, I don't have any symptoms where before even going into like a down dog position, so that like that pike position where your hands and feet are on the floor and your bottom is in the air, even that I would start to get symptoms yeah. in my hand because my arm is overhead and I'm compressing into those structures. But now that I've learned how to do what we're going to talk about, (laughs) you know, for all the exercises, I've opened up so much space that it's cool, actually, to be able to go from episode six and talk about the instances where I really experienced this and long handstand holds and stuff like that to now episode two, what are we in?
1: 260 or something like that, (laughs) 280.
0: (laughs) Too far. (laughs) I think it's 280,
1: 284.
0: We're pretty far. And be able to say, hey, I don't ever experience symptoms anymore
1: yeah no that's incredible and it's just a testament to what we're going to talk about next which is you know the options on how to treat this Mm -hmm. and you know of course there are the conservative options and then there are people who choose to go the surgical route and in a lot of the research that we looked into i mean the the outcomes for symptoms and also just longevity you know the length of outcomes an improvement in symptoms that people felt just seemed to be significantly better on the side of doing conservative treatment.
0: Mm-hmm. And and conservative treatment meaning physical therapy and all that we're going to talk about. Yeah, um,
1: more movement based stuff, changing yeah. behavior, and you know we're going to talk about some real you know specific categories of what we feel people can do um, to start addressing this because that's one of the challenges in a lot of the research. It'll just say conservative treatment <laughs> exactly. method that's what I was and it's say. tough to track down exactly what they do <laughs>
0: yeah like there's really no clear definition um, of one protocol that's like the king of all protocols for addressing thoracic outlet because again there's so many different places um, that you can get compression along the brachial plexus. So yes, it could, it's it's most likely around the neck, right? So whether that's, we have what are called our scalenes around our neck. So these, these muscles around our neck that kind of add in that compression down between that into that, that collarbone area and into that brachial plexus. So if we get like spasming or if we're overusing our neck muscles that can add compression there, but also based on our structure, based on how we use our rib cage, based on how we use our shoulder blade that can add compression, you know, it, it just, there's so many factors that I think it would be so hard for the research to say, here is the one protocol. Yeah. You know, that that can work. And even though we're going to provide exercises, that's not still the one protocol, you know, no. that can work. These are just exercises that can help bring awareness and and exploration of movement so that you can hopefully start to decompress some of the symptoms that you're having.
1: And we're more so going to try and hit a bunch of the different areas that could be your underlying root yeah. cause. Yeah. And that's where, you know, as you go through and explore the different areas, if you find one and if you do one of the exercises and say, wow, that really felt tight, that really mm-hmm. felt restricted, that breath exercise was really difficult, That that's kind of a cue to say, okay, maybe that's something that I need to work on a significant amount more because that might be one of my main underlying root causes. And it, it is kind of that self-investigation where you can work on these few different areas and two or three of them might help you long-term and two or three of them might not feel very challenging. Mm -hmm. So like Jen said, you know, if we're overusing those chest muscles, breath is one of the things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about just general overall nerve mobility. Mm -hmm. And if if we tend to have a tight nervous system, that can really impact things because anytime we go overhead or if we're working outside of our kind of base of support, we're putting a little more tension on that nervous system, Mm -hmm. uh, just addressing some of the tight muscles around the chest, around the upper back, Um, if we have limitations in mobility there, um, stuff to do with shoulder blade motion, so all sorts of different components that could play into why we have a reduced space for that brachial plexus and veins and arteries going in and out.
0: Exactly, and that's why I would say don't just jump to like, oh, I need surgery to remove my first rib. Like, there's there's so much more that we can do. And I, and I would say, in cases, you know, sometimes it's absolutely necessary. We know someone, she's a professional athlete, though, who did need something to change in the immediate. Um, mm-hmm. And she, she so her did... her symptoms
1: are really severe. Really severe. She was having and, some scary stuff going on. And
0: stopping her from being able to play. Um, she's a soccer player. So, you know, she needed to have surgery done. And in that case, very important. And she... And, and she's been well. able to to work back into she's also function. somebody who
1: after that surgery rehab the crap out of it <laughs> oh, and yeah. she's not somebody who's <laughs> going to ignore okay here are the things i can do behaviorally with my mobility with my breath yeah. to impact The underlying cause of why that developed
0: right but i just want to say like we're not against surgery but especially if you're not a professional athlete who needs like massive change right now what can you do within your own body that can affect some change before you jump to like you know maybe the surgical route especially in this case because we have so much research that supports you know um the great outcomes of conservative treatment.
1: yeah and even best practices is to make sure you're doing conservative you know practice yeah. and working conservatively whether it's with a physical therapist or a different provider you know for four to six months even before going the surgery route mm-hmm. and in a lot of the research that we saw like in the short term you know which i think they did it after you know a month follow-up 76 to 100 people of people uh, across different studies saw improvement using a conservative approach and then long-term follow-up after a year it was somewhere in like 59 to 88% of people that still had significant benefit after that conservative treatment. So, again, with percentages like that, it would behoove us to (laughs) try and use conservative, behoove, it would behoove you to try and use conservative uh, approach and get with a professional to to use this because surgery can add a lot of complications to our life.
0: And on top of that, I just want to add to like with what we're going to talk about with the treatment approach that we would take and we do take cuz obviously I clearly feel something different in my body, it is active. Like if you are going to someone who is going to align something or just put their hands on to to treat you the entire time or just tell you to do stretches, you know, Th- those are such temporary relief mechanisms that aren't going to provide long-term control. Yeah. So we just, like, we you really want to be conscious of, like, that's fine in the short term or that's fine to kind of relieve my yeah. symptoms right now, but what else am I doing to create actual true change within how my body responds when I'm doing movement and throughout the day?
1: Yeah, as we always say, those passive models, those manual techniques of massage or mm-hmm. manipulation or adjustment, can be a great part of the overall package, but we would also want to see some of these active techniques, exercises um, included in that for long-term change. And we talk about that on many different podcasts having to do with those types of topics. So why don't we dive in? I mean, again, all of these different methods, essentially what they're trying to do is take pressure off of that nervous system, whether it be through, you know, neural mechanisms through like breath work and down regulation of the nervous system um, or physically helping create more space by addressing some of the tightness you know tight areas Mm -hmm. uh, that might be causing less space for those nerves and arteries to get out of the neck so where do we start
0: yeah so i think one place to just start to pay attention to is our behavior modification throughout the day So that means we do want to be addressing. If I am staying in one static posture all throughout the day, that's probably not going to be the best on anyone's system. So, how can I start to mix up how I'm sitting? Um, So, if you have to be in an office, maybe you're you're opting for a different office chair that's going to create a little bit more core control, or it's just going to put your body in a different position, or maybe you can opt for different chairs. Maybe you can opt for one that's a stool. We love um, some of the stools from Foley that kind of like puts your body in more of that anterior tilt. So you're sitting more on your sit bones and it naturally kind of stacks your spine. So maybe you sit in that for a little bit and then go back to your cushion chair. And maybe you're getting up throughout the day, the workday a little bit more and doing some, some chest openers and stretches and like, how are we breaking up our static posture throughout the day? And that's something to really start to initially address.
1: Yeah. I mean, best positions to the next position. Mm -hmm. How do we get our body to go into different position? That's going to help us kind of re, you know, almost readjust and just reset, you know, how we're holding our body. And if we're changing those positions every 30 minutes, that can go a long way um, to, Preventing our body from wanting to just kind of harden down in one position. And Mm -hmm. and many of us who are just in one position for the majority of the day are working in that forward position, might be breathing a little more into the chest, which is the next thing we want to talk about breath. You know, Mm -hmm. we talk about this all the time. A lot of those, what we call accessory breath muscles that are, you know, originate kind of in the neck or in the upper shoulder area will attach to that first ribs or attach to the rib cage in general. And so, if we're doing a lot of that chest breathing, that's going to be something that creates a lot more tension in those muscles that are pulling at those you know, upper ribs. And again, if we're elevating those upper ribs too much, that's going to be shortening down that space um, by expanding only in that upper rib cage. So, as we always talk about returning to breathing in the low rib cage. And this mm-hmm. can be another thing that you kind of add into that bank of changing up behaviors throughout the day, putting those hands on your low rib cage. Anytime you change position, taking three to five breaths, expanding in that low rib cage, trying not to elevate in that chest when you're using that breath. And that's, again, going to just help us put less tension in those neck muscles that might be creating and putting more pressure and compression on the thoracic outlet.
0: hmm I mean, I think one good way to even just see like if this is something that you need within your life and like to address, go in front of a mirror. Like if you can remember to do this pretty immediately, go in front of a mirror, sit down comfortably and take some deep breaths. Um, long, slow inhales, long, slow exhales. Where do you see your neck muscles turning on to assist? And when I say long, slow, I don't mean like the deepest breaths that you can take, but just nice, slow, relaxed breathing. Where does your body normally catch on? And if your neck is turning on, well, then we have, uh, or, or your shoulders look like they elevate even just a little bit. If you have that vertical motion when we're breathing, then we know that we're kind of reducing some space and we're creating some tension up around the neck. We're turning on the neck muscles, which is only going to, you know, shorten in that space. Um, and I would say like, and this is where I'll say a manual technique can come in handy in the short term is just kind of taking, I wish I was closer to you, but taking the shoulder and kind of elevating and, and taking slack. So not like and this can't be done on yourself because then you turn on muscles right but if you had your elbow up on something and you just lifted and kind of like took off some slack from that that shoulder area that neck area and could like relax and breathe into that that's just like an indicator for your nervous system right then to like take off tension from those nerves and and tell your body that it's okay and it's safe you know yeah. so especially in like those short term immediate like relief symptoms if you're feeling any kind of sensation out in the arm or the neck and like just just try elevating that elbow and relaxing and seeing if if elevating that shoulder passively kind of helps to take off pressure and you notice a change in your symptoms. And that's a big indicator that you probably have thoracic outlet syndrome and And these exercises and the breath work especially is going to be so key in in what we start to go into.
1: Yeah. And that really would extend into any activity that helps us feel like we can relax mm-hmm. and relax our system a little bit. Because again, if we're constantly spending the day in these stressed, more sympathetic spaces that's probably going to impact our breath that's going to impact the tension around our neck and our shoulders so anything that tends to bring you relaxation even if that's sitting outside in the sun Mm -hmm. like that can have a drastic impact on our nervous system uh i think another one that we talked about is just kind of posture correction Mm -hmm. which is tough because you know we have full podcasts on posture and what the best posture is and you know i think Just before this we released one on the whole cue of having your shoulders down and back and how that's not exactly what we want to do when it comes to posture focusing on posture has to be dynamic Mm -hmm. and even pairing it with what we talked about at the beginning on the whole behavior modification thing like how can i introduce more postures throughout the day so i'm not just staying in that one so i think going right back to what you said about the chairs and Can I have a chair that I sit on? Can I have a chair that I can then elevate and have kind of a standing stool that I'm just leaning against? Can I then put my knee on the chair and have Mm -hmm. like kind of a standing but kneeling on one knee position? And that's really going to have a lot of an impact on us just changing up the overall environment, changing up our pelvic positioning, being in different positions throughout the day. To me, that's posture. That's focusing on our posture dynamically over an eight to 12 hour period, mm-hmm. rather than trying to focus on one snapshot of, oh, this is how I'm just holding my body.
0: Mm-hmm. And then we want to get into uh, nerve mobility and, and neurotension. And we, we did have a podcast a long time ago. I should have looked it up of one, when, yeah. when that was, where we kind of reviewed some neural tension and what that really means when yeah. we're, when we're working that through the system. But in general, we know that we have, again, that brachial plexus, right? That comes out to all, that breaks out into all the nerves that go down into the hand. And we don't want to go really aggressive. So nerve mobility is not muscle mobility. (laughs) We're not trying to hold into it for as long as possible. We're trying to relax and melt and, um, and just kind of, Touch into it and touch out. We're trying to get those nerves used to gliding through tissue a little bit better so it doesn't feel so stuck and bring a different um, sensation and awareness to the brain as to how that nerve is responding through the tissue. Um, And so, one way that you can do this is just like if we just kind of relax the shoulder down, so not forcing it down, because that's going to also put some pressure down into that. Um, thoracic outlet area, but if we just relax the shoulder down, bring the arm out to the side, and then just Lightly uh, tap the fingers back, and then from there, see how much I can start to extend the arm, and then bring it back down. S- extend the arm right until I feel some of that sensation down into like my arm or my neck or my sh- or my fingertips. It might it's going to be a different place for everybody, but just kind of like this is already some some tensioning. And if that's too much, you can actually bend your neck towards your hand, and then go into. That those glides because the bending the neck in is going to help to take some pressure and tension off of that nerve so yep. that we're not putting so much tension as we kind of floss that nerve through the system.
1: Yeah, and that's a great one. I mean, there's three main big nerve branches in our arm we mm-hmm. have the median nerve, the ulnar nerve, and the radial nerve. And that one that you just went through is more of a median nerve glide. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we have a whole podcast that I think goes through each Different nerve a, a, a one, yeah. little bit more. Yeah. Another one that I think is fun to kind of try, but again, if you have thoracic outlet, this might be a little bit more provoking is the, the ulnar nerve where, I mean, that's kind of, even if you just have your arm out to the side and try bending your nerves up or bending your fingers back towards you, right? And even there, you might start to feel some tension through the, through the arm. The next step would be to kind of bend the elbow and you're almost going to try to put your palm on your face, almost like you're putting those upside down goggles on yourself. Um, and to, to get a little bit better idea of what these two exercises are that we're demonstrating, you can go over to YouTube and see a little bit of a video of us showing them.
0: Yeah. And so that's just a way to, again, it, you don't need a lot of them, like 10 throughout the day kind of thing. It It's just a way to start to move um, the nerve tissue through our through our other soft tissue, so through our and muscles and stuff. if you're, and if you're stuff. finding
1: a lot of tightness that tells us that for some reason that nerve doesn't have a lot of mobility yeah. and that's likely to do with our daily behaviors yeah. and how much we are putting tension on that nerve. So like Jen said, just 10 a day is going to start to give it that stimulus to say, okay, I need to allow these nerves to move a little bit more yeah
0: we just don't want to aggravate them too much okay we don't want to inflame them or or do anything crazy so that's why we don't do we don't do an aggressive approach when it comes to nerve mobility but we also have to address like I think when it comes to nerve mobility before we get into some of the other stuff nerves move better when we have less inflammation within the body in general so we have to address you know how much am I sleeping am I getting good sleep Am I hydrating throughout the day? Am I getting good nutrients within my body? Or am I eating a lot of, you know, stuff that I know <laughs> makes me feel a little bit more inflamed? Am I eating a lot of processed foods? Am I eating a lot of processed sugars and all that kind of stuff like that? Am I drinking a lot of sodas right now? A lot, when when I've had um, patients and we work through this, a lot of the times we are working on those behavior modifications as well with yeah. what we're putting in our body because it does have an impact on what we feel throughout the day and so we ha- we can't address nerve mobility i don't think without addressing the system as a whole with the fluids that all need to move through it
1: yeah no i think that's so important and again one of the pieces that might be contributing to these symptoms mm-hmm. that you know we have to take a whole system approach especially when we're trying to find root cause uh, and then Coming back around directly to like some of the physical mobility that we can do, um, I already kind of mentioned rib cage mobility. I mean, becoming more aware of expanding in our low rib cage and staying more calm in our upper rib cage can be absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. Um, along with that comes our thoracic spine mobility, you know, especially in that this kind of forward world that we live in. A lot of us tend to be a little bit more rounded in our upper back and, and returning to get some upper back extension or upper back rotation mm-hmm. which are things you can even do sitting in your chair you know just by if you're sitting and you have a few minutes you know grabbing the arm of the chair and rotating your upper back sitting's a great place to do this because the way that our pelvis is kind of tucked it helps us focus that mobility on the upper back or even doing something like a open book laying on your side or just a cat cow is going to help you start to develop more of that awareness of the upper back
0: yeah and then another place we want to continue to increase the mobility is just around the shoulder blades and we talked about this a lot in the last podcast um episode that you and i did so talking about shoulders down and back like what that really means go listen to that podcast i would really recommend um because that's going to play so well in everything that we're talking about and the exercises that are gonna help like if you can if you can get this baseline down improve that rib cage expansion you know even just taking those fingers and kind of tucking them under your rib cage and trying to play around under there and trying to create a little bit of space with your breath a great way to start to expand that lower rib cage, get some better mobility. Notice if you have restriction one side versus the other, you know, great way to kind of play in there. Once we get this uh, rib cage, thoracic spine, shoulder blade mobility, all kind of, you know, increased awareness, increased capacity, then we can start to play around with like controlled movements that really work the stabilizing muscles around our shoulder blade in a much better way that can take pressure off of the neck, right? Yeah. Um, and and create more core control. So we like to do, the, one of my favorite ways to do this is called a wall plank um, or a wall uh, serratus anterior plank. And again, we'll show this more on YouTube but taking those those forearms and you're literally like a plank on the wall and then you press your elbows into the wall and as you press your elbows, your chest kind of comes forward, but your hips are gonna come back so you barely bend at your knees and you allow your hips to come back. And what we're doing when we're doing that is we're gliding the shoulder blade forward. We're turning on that serratus anterior muscle and then when we take deep breaths, we expand from that rib cage so we're getting that rib cage expansion, that thoracic um, extension and then we're increasing the scapular control and all of this is going to help to take pressure off of what happens around the neck so this is one of my favorite ways my favorite exercises to start to tap into reprogramming and relearning how to use that body
1: and so then continuing kind of in this aspect of strengthening in some of these you know mobility or using more active mobility um Combining that rib cage and that thoracic spine, doing thoracic rotation with mm. band wrapped around the ribs, which mm, is something we've such a you know something we've done a lot. But that band helps give great feedback for you to breathe into as you're doing this thoracic rotation. So you can either do this uh, in a position kind of like the open book, like I mentioned before, or in kneeling. Um with and, and when you're kneeling, you're kind of more in space. So it mm-hmm. makes you have more of that control from your pelvis to your rib cage yourself as you're opening up into that thoracic rotation. Um, great way to start developing this with more resistance.
0: Yeah, because then our, that band around that low ribcage is, is a reminder for the brain of to where to breathe. Yeah. Rather than the neck, right? So that's where we we just get such better opening around that core control rather than that neck. Again, creating more space for that neck to, to be able to breathe there. That's what we're, the whole goal here. Um, and then there's a lot of like quadruped position. So all, on all fours, your, your hands and your knees um, that we can do. And when we even just start to hover those knees like even if you were to just hold this position, so you kind of press those arms into the ground, not rounding, but pushing those arms into the ground, right? And you just hover the knees like barely off the ground. You're going to feel that core control. So you're going to feel that, that, that front of your core kind of having to work to stabilize, to so that you don't drop in the back and your shoulder blades are going to do a lot of the work. And the goal here isn't to let the head drop or the shoulders rise. It's to keep everything stable and the neck stable. And so we create this, this really good control all the way through that trunk, through the shoulder blades, and even through um, that neck stability as well. So, and then we can do a lot of different things in that position, one just being like a serratus push-up where we pull the shoulder blades together and push the shoulder blades away.
1: Yeah. And then in that challenging position, and the reason I love this is because when you're hovering those knees, like you said, it's really going to help you focus on that core engagement. Mm -hmm. So then even if we try doing something like lifting one of those other arms and getting into thoracic rotation, Again, fairly challenging. Mm -hmm. So this is why it's kind of at the end of all of the exercises that we're listing (laughs) off. But you can work into that thoracic rotation and it's going to help you focus on a nice stable core, breathing into that low rib cage, getting that thoracic mobility, and then switching sides. And this is where we really start to challenge those arms to do some work. You're not overhead quite yet, You're, you're kind of just at your chest level. So again, overhead tends to be the position that provokes the thoracic outlet. But then if we take it one step further and go from that knee hover quadruped position and almost press back into a down dog, that's when we start getting those arms overhead.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's when people mostly feel the symptoms is anything starting to go overhead, right? And so reprogramming how your shoulder blades move, how you're expanding from the rib cage, we start to just create so much more space for that neck rather than just doing neck stretches or like...
1: (laughs) Getting (laughs) massaged. Yeah,
0: like those are... If you're going to just stretch your neck, well, then what happens when we go back to the same positions or the same exercises we were doing before? Get
1: back in a car or anything that kind of, again, these behaviors that perpetuate our body to respond in a certain way. So all of these different categories of behavior change, posture, focusing on mobility in your rib cage, Mm -hmm. in your thoracic spine, around your shoulder blades, working on nerve mobility, all different things that we should be paying attention to if you're starting to get some of these symptoms of thoracic outlet syndrome.
0: And literally, we do have a neck and upper back plan on Gen Health that goes through everything we just talked about. Literally everything we just talked about is in the neck and upper back plan. So if you know you suffer with symptoms of TOS, of thoracic outlet syndrome, or you feel that numbness tingling through the arm, or you feel that restriction when you go overhead, Get into the neck and upper back plan. They're two-week plans. There's three phases of it. And it walks you through a day-to-day plan that isn't going to take you more than 10 to 15 minutes to start to tap into these exercises.
1: I mean, it's a two-week plan and you get the first week for free (laughs) when you join. So check it out. And like Jen said, it's five to 10 minutes a day. And some of the exercises on certain days will be those ones that jump out at you like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, this is where I'm restricted. And that's the lead you should take. It might be one or two of these different areas that we talked about that really click for you.
0: Mm Now again, if some of those exercises you're like, what are you saying? <laughs> go over to Doc Gen Fit on YouTube and check out the video that's associated because especially toward the end of the video, that's when we're gonna go and show all of these exercises in more depth so that you really understand how to find this within your own body and start to feel something different. Again, we're gonna have that linked up below as well so you can start your free week in Gen Health of the neck and upper back plan and really start to make these changes within your body. and. Please, if you haven't already yet, pass this episode or any of the other episodes along to someone you know can benefit by hearing this information. We just appreciate you so much and we can't wait to see you on another podcast.